And uh, pray for us this week. We head to kids camp again, um, or not again, but this week. And uh, my wife and I will be there, and uh, Pastor John will be there uh, serving our kids from across the state. And so we, we covet your prayers for safety as everyone travels uh, today and tomorrow to get on the grounds, and then as we travel home again later in the week, but that, uh, that each of the students that are there will have a chance to encounter and impact the Lord. Uh, we are getting ready, of course, we're, we're kind of transitioning in the church from our fall season into our summer season. We really only have two seasons, the seasons where you're here and the seasons when you're not. And uh, the summer season is the season where we're not. And uh, we are getting the, the ministry forms back from you. Thank you for serving this past year. Thank you for considering where the Lord would have you serve in the coming year. And uh, we'll be in touch with you about the ministry meetings that will be taking place to kind of get you orientated and plugged into where, we'll be, uh, where you'll be serving in the fall. And, uh, you know, the summer is just a, an interesting time. And uh, especially as a pastor, I feel like sometimes there are people I don't see for months on end, and, uh, and it is what it is. I mean, the winter is such that when summer comes, poof, there we go. And uh, I, I'll, I'll confess to you, I, I don't like summer. Uh, I am not a fan of summer. I'm not a fan of hot. I'm not a fan of humid weather. Uh, I'm not a fan when we throw structures and routines out the window when the school year ends and everything is just, you know, who, what are we going to do today? I don't know. What time are we going to wake up? Who knows? And I can't live this way, uh, at least not for a long period of time. But uh, I do admit to, to those of you that love this time of year and uh, the woman I love loves this time of year and so I, I tolerate it as best I can. Uh, I don't fight against it, although I will pray for snow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but as we move into the, the summer season, we always think about traveling. We think about um, where we're headed, the, the vacations that we've got coming up. And so for our summer series uh, this year, we're going to be talking about living in God's will. And it's interesting how uh, the idea of living in God's will uh, is really illustrated so well by uh, road signs and the, the signs that we see as we travel from place to place. And the, the scripture gives us road signs. I mean, we can know God's will for our lives just by following literally his signs. And so uh, I want to thank the street, the city of Huron Street Department for allowing us to borrow some signs. No, I did not go and take any of these down. Uh, I do have permission for them to be here. Uh, I, I do ask that they all stay here. Uh, please make sure that I can return them when we're finished with them. But they're just an illustration, a reminder to us of how important it is to follow the signs. I mean, we wouldn't drive down the road and ignore every sign that we see. I mean, some of us do, especially this one over here. Um, and uh, there's a price to pay for that. But we, we kind of live our Christian lives this way. I mean, we just hope for the best. We don't really look for God's signs. We don't really look for what he's leading or asking, and we don't really sometimes follow them, and uh, we don't get the immediate consequence. I mean, it's like speeding, and because there's no light, flashing lights in our rearview mirror, we think, hey, we're okay. Uh, we're still breaking the law. Just because you didn't get caught doesn't mean you're not breaking the law. And in our Christian lives, sometimes there's no flashing lights, and so we think there's no big deal. You know, I don't feel guilty, so it must be okay. But can I tell you, you can actually sear your conscience. 
I mean, you can actually have something that's completely written in the word of God, black and white, don't do this or do this, and actually get to the place where you don't feel guilty one way or another doing that. We are in that day in our society where there are people in the church that are calling things that are clearly written in God's words that are sin, they're saying, it's okay. My conscience doesn't feel bad. Can I tell you something? I don't care what your conscience says. I care what the word says. And if the word tells us how to live and we ignore it, there will be a, a, a ticket written. There will be a penalty. There will be a price to pay. There is a judgment for that. And so we've got to make sure that we pay attention to these road signs. And we're going to be looking through the summer at Romans chapter 12, 13, and 14. And I actually want to challenge you over these summer months to every week read these three chapters. Sometime during the week, if you want to be like a really good student, maybe read them every day. Um, you know, I don't know that we can read it too much. But read these scriptures every week and allow the Holy Spirit to kind of give us the road signs. Because I think these three chapters uh, really pinpoint kind of what God wants us to do. And, you know, as we plan our trips, you know, as we plan our vacations, we, we sit down, and maybe you don't, but I do, I sit down and I try to determine what would be the best route to take. I mean, there are GPSs and there are roadmaps and there's map quests and there's Google Maps and there's who all knows what kind of maps out there. And they'll give you different options. Do you want the fastest route? Do you want the shortest route? Do you want the scenic route? Do you want to stop somewhere along the way? And you can plan out your entire trip. And, you know, some people, it's a game. I mean, where, you know, I don't know if you've ever traveled with someone and said, okay, you go this way and I'll go this way and we'll see who gets there faster, see which way's better, see which route is faster. But the people of South Dakota, uh, I mean, there, there are how many different ways to get to Rapid City? I mean, no, no, my way is the best way. No, 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 I know a faster way. I'll, I'll tell you how to get there. You take this highway to this highway to that highway to this highway to that highway to this highway. And some people are like, just take me to Interstate 90 and let me go. I mean, some people are simple and some people are complicated. And, and uh, you know, but as we travel and as we drive, especially in areas we're unfamiliar with, we pay attention to the signs. I don't know if you've ever uh, pulled into a, an area where the speed limit changed suddenly and you didn't see the sign, but you saw the flashing lights. Ever happened to you where you didn't realize that you were speeding because you, you missed the sign. Maybe you were daydreaming or dozing, and uh, I don't know. But these signs, we're gonna start today in Romans chapter 12, if you've got your Bible. Uh, verse number one, help us, stay in the will of God. Just the same way that these signs help us stay on our course, our route, our trip. And you know, if we take a wrong turn, our GPS will reroute us to get us back on course. I mean, much that same way, I think these three chapters of Romans really do that for us. And the first two verses of Romans chapter 12 especially really illustrate uh, this idea. It says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Worship is not a song. Worship is not what we just did in this room. Worship is every part of my body being given to the Lord. So as I sing here and I declare his greatness and I lift my hands and that's a part of worship, but I can lift my hands and go out there and, and live however I want. 
But when every decision I make and every choice I make and every goal I set for my life and all of my behaviors and all of these things begin to line up with what God's word says, then I truly worship him. And Paul's saying, I'm pleading with you. Give your bodies to God. Let them be this living and holy sacrifice. And when you think about all that God has done for you, that's really not too much to ask for. I mean, when we stop and think that everything we deserved, and yet he came and gave his life in our place, giving our lives back to him is really just a no-brainer. And here's the thing. God's better than any GPS you've got. Because he knows the best route for you to take. I know that sometimes we think we know the best route to take. He knows the best route to take. And where we think his word is restrictive, it is not. It's guiding us. It's protecting us. It's helping us. Every part of his word is there for our protection and our help. The enemy will lie to you and say, nope, it's there to restrict you. It's there to keep you from a good time. It's there to keep you from having fun. But God says, my words are life. Life. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Your translation may say, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Now, to copy or conform requires no effort at all. It just requires that we go with the flow. We just do what we've always done. But if we're gonna be transformed into a new person, it's gonna require effort on our part. It's gonna be a cooperating with the Holy Spirit as he directs and guides us and puts signs in our pathway. And God says, you know, I've created you to be something else. He says it in 2 Corinthians chapter five. Can we... Let me go back. 2 Corinthians chapter five. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You've become a new person. Instantly, done. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. But look at 2 Corinthians three. All of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So we're transformed instantly into a new creation, but there's a day-to-day process of following signs that actually transforms us into a new creation. It's not just gonna happen by accident. The same way that you're not gonna go out here, turn your car on, and then just sit there and wait for the car to go. You're gonna drive the car. And if your brain doesn't start functioning to tell you where you're going and where to turn and where to go and what steps to take, it's not gonna happen. And some of us think if I just come to church and sit in a pew week after week, I'm gonna know God's will for my life. And we wonder why there's chaos all around us and our lives really aren't falling into place and things aren't going the way. God, I don't understand your will. I don't know your will. Because you don't know his voice. No time in his word. No time in prayer, no time at the throne, but you think magically you're gonna know his voice. God isn't Siri. He's just not available every time you push the button like our electronic devices. He says, I'm I'm showing you the way to go. Stop copying, stop conforming your life to the pattern of the world and be transformed into a new creation. That's what he says. 
And so over these next three chapters, God is teaching us his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, we alluded to the idea that there's a best route to take. Uh, There's really not a best route to take. Because if you ask 10 people what's the best route to get from here to point A to point B, you may get 10 different answers. But God says, I've got a route for you that is perfect. It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And as you follow the signs that I put in your way, that's where you're going to go. That's where I'm going to take you. But we can't ignore the signs along the way. And so Romans chapter 12, 13, and 14 are going to give us these signs, but we're not going to work our way through the chapter in order. We're going to kind of jump around through different parts of the chapter because there's one section of this, these, three, these three chapters that really has just resonated in my heart over the last several weeks. And I have heard this message in, in sermons, in podcasts I've been listening to. I've heard it in the messages that our associates have preached in my absence. I've heard it in books I have been reading. Two different books I've been reading this weekend by different authors written at different times with the same message. It's almost like the Holy Spirit is saying something. And so we're going to go over to Romans chapter 13, and we're going to look at two verses in Romans chapter 13. And what we're going to talk about today is don't drive drowsy. Don't drive drowsy. Now, I'm sure on a road trip, everyone in this room has experienced drowsiness at one time or another. And you, you have a way to battle that. Sometimes it's crank up the AC. Um, sometimes it's put the windows down in the winter and let some cold, fresh air in on your head. Sometimes it's turn up the radio really loud, put a playlist on Pandora that you can sing along to and you do things that you hope no one driving by will recognize you as you're in the car just trying to stay awake. Some of us use caffeine, uh, Mountain Dew, Monster Energy, coffee, whatever your flavor of choice, we use that to try to fight it off. We use sunflower seeds or candy or food. We just, we want to battle because how many of you know being drowsy behind the wheel of a car is a problem? Yeah, it's dangerous, not just to us, but to other people. And so it's good to make sure that we're awake. I don't know if you've ever been driving down the highway and realized you missed a turn and thought, I wasn't really paying attention to where I was going. I was off in thought or I don't know what was going on and and you missed it. I remember one time we were coming north on 29 out of Sioux Falls and uh, for some reason when we passed the exit, I was thinking, no, we need to go east. And, uh, but we had already passed the east and I saw 90 west and I'm like, no, we want to go east. And so I went a little bit and then I'm like, no, we don't. We want to go west. And so we went up to the next exit and we turned around. I know some of you would have just gone to Brookings and came across, but I hate Highway 14 from Brookings to Huron. So I will avoid that. And so we turned around and headed back south again. And the funny thing is, is I wasn't paying attention and I went past the exit. And <laughs> My wife is like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh my goodness, I wasn't paying attention. So we had to go down uh, one exit, turn around, and uh, go back. And this time, she helped me be sure we got on the right track. And uh, so there are times that we do. We just zone out. We miss it. And uh, I think Paul kind of illustrates that type of living in Romans chapter 13, verses 11, 12. He uses really strong language in these two verses. Look at what he says, uh, starting in verse 11. Can you get that back up onto Romans 13, 11? Thank you. This is all the more urgent. It's almost like we should be hearing the beeping sound. Beep, 
alert from the Emergency Broadcast Corporation. You know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. Father, I pray that today as we study your word, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to understand and make application for our lives today. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. This message is pretty simple. The message that Paul is trying to convey and the message that I hope to convey to you is very simple. It's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. The context that Paul is talking about in the verses immediately surrounding this are, one, about loving one another. And it's so important, loving one another is littered throughout these three chapters. In the last days, we have to be especially careful that we guard our hearts against offense towards one another. We need to be in love with one another acting in love toward one another, not feeling anything, but acting in love toward one another, especially in the last days. And we're gonna talk about that a lot more next week. But then right after this, the Apostle Paul is talking about our behavior, and in this period, he's talking about the difference between light and darkness, and cutting off the deeds of darkness and walking in the deeds of the light, and uh, we're gonna talk about that in the weeks ahead. But today, I just wanna specifically look at this wake-up call that the apostle gives to us. <clears throat> because as I already mentioned to you, we will not accidentally walk in the will of God. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times where I've done something in my life where I didn't plan for it to happen, it just happened, and I could see God's handprint in it. Okay, that happens from time to time. But if we try to live our entire Christian life hoping that God will just, you know, kind of lead us and, you know, we won't have to do anything, that's not going to work. I mean, I understand that God is gracious. He's merciful toward us. He never gives us what we deserve. He withholds what we do deserve. I get it. But God says when you come into the light, there's an expectation. You have received the knowledge of the light. Walk in the light. And so for us to think that all we got to do is maybe once in a while open up our Bibles and read a couple verses or show up for church whenever it's convenient for us or, you know, just do a little bit here and there to my life when the scripture clearly says you've got to kill your old life and you've got to be transformed into a completely different person and start living not for yourself but for him. That's not the American idea of Christianity at all. I just want to go to church, appease my conscience, and live however I want to live for the rest of my days. And that does not work well. Because there are people on roads all over the place saying, hey, God led me down this road. God did not lead you down that road. God was leading you somewhere else, and you took a left turn. His word said, do not enter right there, and you went ahead. Well, why didn't God stop me? He tried. How many stop signs and do not enter signs does he need to put up before we listen? This idea of following the will of God should take as much care and concern as planning a trip. How many of us, and some of you would, but how many of us would, during the Sturgis rally, just drive out and hope that we would find a motel somewhere in the hills? No, you wouldn't. You're either taking a tent and being okay with that, or you're gonna to plan to sleep in your car. I mean, if you wanna 
when we plan trips, we know where we're going. We don't just show up at the airport and say, felt like taking a trip today, so uh, what you got open? No, for months, we search for the best price and we, we look for it and we know, we, we know where we're gonna go and what we're gonna do on this day and, and I'm the worst of all. I love to plan every second of the trip when we're leaving and the GPS says we're gonna be here at this time and so it's my goal to beat that time. I wanna be better than the GPS, so come on kids, go to the bathroom quick, let's get back in the car and on the road, boom. We gotta beat the GPS. Anybody else like that? I mean, I, surely I'm not the only one. Great, Dwayne and I are the only ones. I knew I was spending too much time with him. But some of us take more care planning our summer vacation than we do living our daily lives. And it's, be, it's not because we don't love the Lord. It's not because we don't, we, if we were pressed, we wouldn't say, I don't care. It's just we get busy living. We fall asleep. We kind of get drowsy at this Christian thing. We get in the routine of sitting in a pew. We get in the routine of reading our Bible verses. So we're reading the Bible, but we're not really eating it and saying, God, I need, I need you to speak into my life today with these verses that I'm reading. We just read it because it's on our iPad and we just, you know, can, I can pull it up and I read it, I click it off for the day and yeah, praise God, I'm a Christian. And Paul says to this church, he says, wake up. He's talking about something that's urgent. He says, you know how late it is. Time is running out. Our salvation is nearer than it's ever been. The night is almost gone and the, the day is almost near. There's an urgency in his words. There's an urgency in his tone. There's an urgency in the Apostle Paul's life. Literally, it means the time to be awake has already passed. It's like the day of the trip is here and you're oversleeping. It's time to get up from your slumber. Now, either the Apostle Paul has specific knowledge about this church in Rome, about the way that they're living, and he knows that they're sleeping, or this is a general warning to this church and any church. I am, tend to agree with the latter. I don't think the Apostle Paul knows that there's something specifically about this Roman church that he needs to say to them, wake up, that he wouldn't say to other churches. In fact, he does, and we'll see it, say it to other churches. I think the Apostle Paul understands that there is a, a part of human nature that can get lazy, that can get complacent, that there's a part of the sin nature until it is fully removed from us that will continue to war against our spirit. And if we don't continue to battle against that, that we will drift into a place of complacency that the, the enemy will, will grow up thorns in our lives, just the daily activity, and it will choke out the word of God, make it unfruitful in our lives. Or difficulties will arise, and they'll scorch out the word of God, and it won't grow in our lives. And so the apostle Paul is saying, guys, the day of the trip is here. It's time to get out of bed. You can't live your Christian lives drowsy. It's time to recognize, I need to do something. When you're driving a car and you go like this, and then you hit the rumble strips, you realize something's got to change here. I got to put some cold air on. I've got to get something to drink. I've got to do something to get my, myself alert again. I pray that today the Holy Spirit is like a giant rumble strip in our hearts saying, you know what? Guys, in, in this church, in the church in America, here, it's time to wake up. 
That's what I hear him saying. It's time to wake up. You can't just keep living this way. You can't keep living like this is all there is. You can't just keep going to church and being comfortable with it. You can't just keep living your life like you've got all your days left here on this earth. There's gotta be an urgency to how we live. The scriptures say it over and over again. In Ephesians chapter five, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. That's like that conforming to the world. Don't act without thinking. In other words, don't just live your life without thinking about what you're doing. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a warning, just like he gave to the Romans to the church in in Ephesians. In Ephesus, wake up. Make the most of your opportunities. In the King James Version, it says, redeem the time. Redeem the time. Use your time wisely. The question is, is my life more characterized by thoughtlessness or is it thoughtful? I mean, can I really say what the Lord wants me to do? Or is most of my life just, you know, I'm just living, and if the Lord wants to reveal something to me, you know, so be it. Or is my life characterized by God? I want to know what you want me to do today. I want to know if there's someone in this room that you want me to talk to. I want to know what decisions you want me to make before I'm even faced with that decision. I want you to guide me, and I want you to lead me. And here's the thing. He wants to do it for us, but we're, we're content to be drowsy. We're content to just sleepwalk through our day, assuming that we know his will without seeking daily his will. In the Old Testament, we're taught that the the Lord provided manna for the Israelites in the desert when they wandered because he wanted them to know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God wanted them to know, you know what? I'm the Lord, your God, and I provide for you. Every day I'm gonna give you food. You're gonna wander. Your clothes aren't gonna wear out. Your shoes aren't gonna wear out. I provide water for you. I provide quail for you. You were in the desert. You had no resource at all, and I gave you everything you needed. And I did that so that when you go into this land where you are now gonna be able to farm, you are now gonna be able to provide for yourself, don't forget me. Don't forget that I am the Lord, your God, that you don't live by bread alone. You live by every word that proceeds from my mouth and we as a nation have become a church that we can provide for ourselves and you know if God can come alongside and help us with what we're doing then so be it but we're not desperate for him to provide for us because I can provide for myself and we even call it God I mean we can have a service here we don't need God's presence we got good singers we got good musicians I mean we can work up you can feel good in your emotions I mean we don't we I mean who needs the holy spirit I've got you version bible app And so we've got an entire generation that we're just sleepwalking through our lives not really seeking God's will at all and just hoping we hit it What proof in our lives is there that we are continuously seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Maybe there is. Maybe in your life there's evidence that you are daily trying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Jude chapter 20, or Jude verse 23, it says, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Rescue 
others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Can I tell you, we lack urgency in sharing our faith. It's just not okay. All around us, there are people perishing, and we're more concerned about whether or not LeBron can carry Cleveland through the NBA Finals or not. Don't get me wrong. I've enjoyed watching these NBA Finals more than anything, but there's something wrong. And I hear the Holy Spirit beginning to say, you know what, you're, you're getting drowsy. And I hear the rumble strips on the side of the road, and I hear him saying, it's time to wake up. Your salvation is so much nearer than when you first believed. In 2 Peter chapter 3, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, he's talking about the end of time. While you're waiting for these things, make every effort. Those words, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives. Does, is, that, is that my life? Is my life characterized by the fact that I am making every effort to be living a peaceful life that's pure and blameless in his sight? Or is my life more conformed to the pattern of this world? Is my life more, you know, thoughtless living, you know, just kind of getting in the car and deciding how I'm gonna get there when I get there? Or am I on my face saying, God, I wanna know where you want me to go. I wanna make decisions based on what you tell me to do, not what I tell me to do. Hebrews chapter six, verse 11 says, we want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. Can I tell you something? This is written to believers. And if the apostle Paul is saying that what you hope for could be fully realized, what you hope for may not be fully realized. It's not a guarantee. What you are right now in this pew clinging to a promise of God, God said it in his word and it's true for me. If you don't show the same diligence to the very end, what you hope for may not be realized. The enemy has lulled us to sleep thinking all we gotta do is sing a song about Jesus and his presence is there. If your heart ain't in it, his presence ain't coming. You can read the Bible every day, but if you're not searching the scripture to find truth, you'll be no different than the Pharisees who crucified the Lord of glory. It's time to wake up. It's time to engage ourselves with the disciplines of our faith. It's time to engage ourselves in prayer and fasting and studying the word. It's time to engage, our, engage ourselves in true fellowship with other believers, not some high in the sky pie thing where we just get together and play games together. There's nothing wrong with playing games together, but we've gotta have genuine fellowship, the kind of fellowship where you can look at me and I can look at you and we can make sure that we're both awake. Look into my eyes and make sure I'm not drowsy. Don't let me fall asleep at the wheel. Where's that in the church? It's time that we're more kingdom mindset than we are earth, earthly mindset. It's time that we talk about more than our, our favorite sport or some deal we got while we were shopping. I mean, it's time that we talk about the things of the kingdom. Hey, what's God doing in your life? Well, you know, I read this this week. Man, did you catch that game the other night? See how easy our conversation, and I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, I'm trying to help you see, we're falling asleep, and the Holy Spirit loves us enough that he's coming, and he's putting rumble strips everywhere saying, let's go, it's time to wake up. 
I mean, if he didn't love us, he'd wait until the trumpet sounded, and then he'd be like, told you so. I don't want that. What good is that? I want to be able to do something about it now. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells us three parables. I'm not going to have time to look at all three of them. I had high hopes, but we won't. So you can read those this week along with Romans chapter 12, 13, and 14. But I want to look at the first one specifically. Because Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to ten virgins. And they took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. In this parable, this would represent redeemed people. They have lamps, they've got light, they, they are waiting for the bridegroom. They are waiting for Jesus to return. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. Remember, we're not supposed to live like foolish, but we're supposed to live like wise from Ephesians chapter five. Making the most of every opportunity, redeeming our time, being continuously filled with the Holy Spirit, all of those things that Paul said there in Ephesians, we could just put right here in this, in this chapter. The scripture complements itself. So wisdom here is wisdom there. So whatever the Bible says to be wise, that's what we gotta pattern our lives after because these foolish ones didn't take any oil with them. The wise ones took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. Remember, Peter says in the last days there's gonna be scoffers saying, where's this coming? It's been a long time. He's not coming. Live however you want. You know, it's all been a lie. Go to sleep. Don't worry about anything. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. Those words leaped off the page at me when I read them this week. Not, I've seen them before, but listen to it again. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. All 10 of them. See, you can today take this message and say, well, you know, I feel like I'm awake. I feel like this warning right here that in the last days, all 10 of these virgins became drowsy and fall asleep. This message is not just for some in this room today. It's for all of us in this room today. We have been lulled to sleep. Some of us are in a way deep slumber and some of us are just nodding off. But one way or another, it's time to wake up. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there might not be enough for both of us. Instead, go to those who sell oil, buy some for yourselves. But while they were on the way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you, I don't know you. Who does he know? If you take this back to Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. So who are these foolish versions? They're the ones not making the most of every opportunity. They're the ones not applying the scripture to their lives. They're the ones that are seeing these road signs and thinking, you know, I, could, I, can go, I, I know that's the speed limit, but God, I, I'm, I'm okay going a little faster than that. God, I know you put a stop sign there, but I'm sure that were for people that aren't as strong-willed as me. I can go past that. You know, that's like a yield sign for me. That's one of those optional ones because it's got the white around the outside of it. So that's, that's more like a yield sign to me. 
I mean, Lord, I know that you say there's one way, but, you know, I'm convinced that there's a different way. And now I I wish the one-way sign pointed to the cross too, but, you know, some things don't, we don't always get what we want. But we see these road signs. Those are the foolish ones. We have got to keep watch and be ready. And Jesus goes on, he tells two more parables. The next parable, he talks about the guy that was given, uh, given different bags of money. One of them was foolish, the rest of them were wise. The foolish one says, Lord, here, here's what you gave me. I mean, I, was, I, was, I wasn't diligent with it, I was lazy with it, but hey, I didn't lose any of it. And Jesus says, you are wicked, lazy servant. This idea of diligence comes in here. We can't just coast and think we're gonna find the will of God. Then the last one, he talks about seeing people in need and doing nothing for them. It's time for us to wake up. There is a church on the earth today that has a form of religion. Paul tells us about it in 2 Timothy chapter three. There's a form of religion, but they deny the power of God that will bring transformation. That we lack depth, we lack commitment, we lack passion. We derive more excitement from the things of the world than we do the kingdom of God. And it's time for us to wake up. There's a problem. The time has come for us to be done. I just wanna, here's the thing. I hope you hear this call. We live in a day and age where people are calling evil good and good evil. And, and stop thinking it's just the homosexual agenda. Um, you know, we, now more than ever, the scripture says, in the last days, brothers are gonna betray each other. Uh, I've been a part of the church for 39 years. I don't remember the first couple years. They were a little blurry, but I was there. And I know that throughout church history, brothers have betrayed brothers. There's, there's been gossip. There's been backbiting. Um, but it, it's stepping up. I mean, there's just the venom that spews from the mouths of Christians towards each other, towards the lost, the very people we're trying to reach, uh, has increased. And the Bible says that in the last days there's gonna be an increase of wickedness and the love, the agape love of God is gonna grow cold in people's hearts. You know, we would much rather go out there and do something than get on our face before God and pray. You know, we, we put God in this time constraint box that says, you know, you got 15 minutes to speak to me and otherwise I gotta get on with my schedule. And I, I know there are commitments that we make in our lives, but there's also free time in our lives. And it doesn't seem that in our free time, God gets chosen often. That's just the picture I see of the church world today. Just as guilty right here. But I hear over and over the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. And my fear is that there's gonna be some that, that brush this off and say, yeah. And they're no longer gonna hear that call. If you're hearing the call to wake up, praise God. That's the Holy Spirit saying, get ready. Jesus is coming back, not for a church that's in love with him, 
but for a church that is without spot or wrinkle, who has made herself ready for his return. Not the the church that wants to sing worship songs and tell everyone how much they love Jesus, but a church that is in love with him and honors him with their lives, who are seeking to make his will their will. So it's time to wake up. It's time to engage ourselves in the disciplines of the faith again. It's time to be engaged with what God is doing. It's time to have a sense of urgency about reaching the lost. Here's the thing. You say, Pastor Tom, all right, I feel like I'm being drowsy. What do I do? First, you admit there's a problem. I mean, some of us in this room are not even gonna take that step today. We're not gonna say, Holy Spirit, I, I'm, I've been asleep at the wheel. I've been nodding off. And I, I'm gonna be as bold as to say there's not a person in this room that is not at least nodding off at the wheel. And if you won't take the first step to just say, Holy Spirit, I'm, a, I'm, 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 I'm falling asleep at the wheel, I need your grace I need your grace. Here's the thing. Holy Spirit, there is not an urgency in my heart to tell anyone about you. That's not okay. What do I need to do? Create an urgency in my heart. I don't want to be guilted into telling someone about you. I want there to be a passion in my heart that says I need to tell you. And when we get to the point where we're going to admit before the Lord that we're we're It's time for us to wake up, Lord. We need your grace. We need your help in this. And we get on our face before him and ask for it. Look out. That's the kind of church that he's gonna come back for because they're gonna make themselves ready. They're gonna make themselves ready. Let's stand together. As we close service today, I'm gonna ask you just to consider whether or not you can say, I am fully alert, fully awake, ready to go. Or you know what? I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, I've been asleep at the wheel. Some of you have been in an all-out slumber. Some of us maybe just nodding off. Some of us, have been hearing the voice of the Lord say to do something and we've been rejecting it and we no longer even feel guilty about it, can I tell you that's a problem? It's not that God has changed his mind. He's just stopped saying it. But if you will repent, if you'll acknowledge your disobedience and you'll ask for his grace, he'll speak again. As we close this morning, I wonder if there's anyone here that would say, it's time for me to wake up. It's time for me to wake up. I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, you've been a little drowsy. It's time to wake up.
that's you, with an upraised hand, I'm just going to ask you to say, that's me. That's me. It's time for me to wake up. I hear his call. I don't want you to slip it up and put it back down. I want you to hold it up. I want you to say, that's me. I need to wake up. The time, the time is here. It's already past time for me to be awake. And I've been drowsy for too long. Father, you see every hand in this room today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for loving us enough to put warning signs on the path of our lives, for loving us enough to put rumble strips on the road of our lives, to show us that we've, we've gone into drowsy mode, we've gone into coasting mode. We've put the cruise control on and we're just, we're not even thinking about what your will is. We don't want to be foolish. We want to know your will. We want to know your good, your pleasing, and your perfect will. Father, we have blown past warning signs in the past. Holy Spirit, we need you to help adjust our course. Reroute us where we need to go. Help us to reprioritize our daily lives so that spiritual disciplines aren't just a discipline, but our hearts and our minds are engaged with you. That when we read your word, God, we are craving manna, that we're craving life. Father, that as we go about our day, there's an urgency about what you've called us to do. There's an urgency about reaching the lost. There's an urgency about the work that we do even within this body. God, whether we teach or whether we greet or whether we sing, God, you've called us to build your kingdom. Within the walls of this building, within the parameters of this city, and even to the ends of the earth. And so God, today we admit where we failed and we ask for your grace. Give us grace today. Give us grace today to be alert to make the most of every opportunity, to be continuously filled with your Holy Spirit. Help us, just like you promised you would. I ask it in Jesus' name. I would encourage you to take just a few moments at least, either to kneel at your pew or to find a place around this altar and just ask the Lord for his help 
in whatever specific areas that he's spoken to you this morning. Just allow him to give you the grace that you need to live out the life that he has planned for you. When you need to be dismissed, we're gonna ask that you just do it quietly. Let this be a place of prayer for those that wanna spend some time in prayer before they go. God bless you as you go this morning.